You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investment from Johannesburg. And Wayne, the theme of today's chat is the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because on Friday, I have to admit, with the Dow Jones down around about 600 points and everything looking awful, I thought that Monday would be terrible. But in fact, Monday wasn't so terrible. Tuesday was really good. And today Mm. is probably even better. And the market's approaching all-time record highs again. It's quite extraordinary. You can throw anything at this market and up it goes. Yeah. Look, I mean, Lindsay, when you think of the virus and what it can do, I mean, obviously it's a, there's a, a human and a social side to it from a pure economic viewpoint. I mean, Chinese growth will be affected. The estimates I've seen, and these are all estimates because no one knows what the true outcome is going to be, is that Chinese growth for this quarter could be lower by about half a percent from what people anticipate. And the effect for the whole year is about 0.3% on Chinese growth and about 0.1% on global growth. I mean, these numbers, the people that I read it, they're just guessing. I mean, no one knows the true outcome. I mean, you see today that uh, Tencent issued a virus update where they gave the number of deaths which no one knows where this number comes from, and they quickly took it off their website, but where they gave the number of deaths, which the official is 500, but the number of deaths they gave was a factor of 10, if not more than that. So you don't know where this is going to go to, but over time, it's probably not going to turn into a global financial crisis. In other words, this virus is unlikely to severely affect the global economy for a sustained time period. And if that is the case, by and large, the financial markets will laugh it off. And that's what you've seen in the last few days. I mean, we started off the year strong. Our market went to 59,000. Then the virus hit us. It went to 56, and now it's back at 57 and a half. So it's recouped about half of the losses that we've had around the virus. And overall, overseas markets, global markets, are behaving more or less the same. Look, these, it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's a strange thing. Only financial matters, only financial matters affect financial markets. It's quite, I did a study once where I looked at the effect of not the, not the world wars, but the Vietnam War and the Korean War and, you know, the Arab-Israeli War. Yes. The effect that wars have on the market is actually virtually non-existent. If a market's expensive and a war breaks out or something breaks out, it can be the trigger for a market pulling back. But whenever a non-financial event happens when markets are relatively cheap, there's no effect. So these sort of things can be a trigger for an expensive market to fall. But by and large, they're not economic events. Yeah, quite right. I mean, if you had bought at the dip of any that was initiated by any event that wasn't to do with the financial markets, exactly what you've said, whether it be a virus, whether it be a, a small geopolitical event, if you'd had bought every single dip that occurred after some such event, then you would have made a fortune over the years. If you just had a fund and you called it non-financial event fund, the, what's that? Yes. The, N, the NIF. N-F-E. A non-financial... Non-N-F-E-F. N-F-E-F. 
NFEF, no, it doesn't work. We'll, we'll work something up. But I think of a new one, yeah. Yeah, we, we will do. Anyway, let's have a look at the Stock Exchange news service today because we've got uh, Sappy coming out. I know a very well-known yes. fund manager who has put his money into Sappy having made a fortune in PGM Metals, and he says this is the next one. It's not the next PGM, it's not the next Impala. Yeah. But on the other hand, he likes it very much. It came out with its quarterly results today, one of the few companies on the JSC that reports quarterly. What did you make of those numbers? Well, I know exactly who you're talking about, about the PGMs and about SAPI. Okay. But yeah, look, the numbers, the numbers actually weren't all that hot. Eh? They had a huge problem with their dissolving wood pulp because of massive oversupply and no reduction in the cost of uh, the inputs, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the share price knew about this because they issued the trading update a little while back, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, if you take it on the one year, SAPI's down almost 60% in the last year. eh? So, you know, if you bottom hunting, if you're a value manager and you bottom hunting and you believe in the longer term that uh, SAPI – well, coated, coated wood-free paper, paper's on the decline, but this dissolving wood pulp is actually over time on the up because it's used in everything. And, of course, SAPI has diversified their portfolio massively out of graphic papers. They big into packaging now, but the problem they had now is in this dissolving wood pulp. Wood pulp. They've had a massive fall in the price. There's extra supply that's come on etc etc so as i said we knew about this because they gave us a bit of a warning about it but you know the earnings are down 70 percent compared to the same quarter last year well this is what the value investors like of course i mean they look at a good company with good track record yeah exactly so maybe he'll be wrong for the heavily cyclical business yeah He'll be wrong for the first year or so, maybe, and then eventually you'll be we'll be having this conversation if we're still in the business, which is probably unlikely. But if we'll be if we are yep. still in the business in a couple of years' time, we'll be saying, "Look at Sappy now. Do you remember that conversation we had in February of 2020? Yeah. And look where it was, and now look where it is. I mean, that can happen, can't it? No, it certainly can. But look, I mean, Sappy's had a turbulent history. Eh? They've almost gone bankrupt probably twice in the last 30 years. Mm. And they had that massive rights issue at a significant discount to force you into taking up your rights offer. But to their defense and to the defense of new management, they significantly restructured the business, going for this dissolving wood pulp and getting out of paper. Because the previous modus operandi they had was paper's a declining business. It's being battered essentially by online and digitization and all of this sort of stuff. But we are going to be the biggest player in a declining industry, and they bought everything that moved in the UK, in the US, in Europe. They, they bought factories and just closed them down to try and take supply out of the market. Yeah. Then they realized you actually, you might be the biggest player, but it's a declining industry. And then they diversified into this viscose, into this dissolved wood pulp. And by and large, even though it is still a commodity, they've been incredibly successful because they saved the company. I mean, if they didn't change the business direction of the company, I don't think SAPI would be around anymore. But it still does not detract from the fact that it's a heavily cyclical commodity company. Same as the, same as the PGMs. I, the exact same stories I'm hearing about the PGMs now 
And I listened to what all the big players said at the mining conference. And I wasn't there, but I read what they said. Yes. And they all, there's just upside. There's just upside. The exhaust manufacturers <laughs> can't change. There's very little supply coming on. Well, of course team. they can change. There's it just takes a while. I mean, of course they but, can change. I mean, they mustn't fool us. It takes two years to change, but the market knows. If they start to change, then the market discounts yeah. that, I mean, 18 months to two years in advance. So uh, at some easy. stage, you're going to wake up one morning and palladium will be down $200 an ounce and platinum will be up $50 an ounce. And then you'll say, that's yeah. it. They've announced that they're, they're changing. All the major manufacturers yeah. and all the catalytic converter manufacturers Manufacturers will be saying, okay, it's too much now. $2,500 versus $951,000, it's, it's, it's yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah, and the point is I remember 13 years ago hearing exactly the same arguments when platinum, remember up until 2007, 2008, platinum were the go-go shares. They were, there was nothing that could stop them. Yeah. When you think Anglo-American platinum, and admittedly, they've restructured the business and did a fantastic job of restructuring the business and selling all things right at the bottom. And Neil Foneman's scored from buying all of their assets right at the bottom. Yes. But I can remember very, very well Amplats in 2007, 2008. And I mean, what's the share price now? 1,200. What was the share price 13 years ago? It was 1,400. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, it fell to. Oh, my memory is so poor nowadays. But did it did it fall to four hundred rand or something like that? I think it went to actually it, maybe. It, fell, you know, yeah, it, it, it was certainly below five hundred. Yes, yes, you're yeah, quite it's right. About three hundred, four hundred rand, and now it's back to call it a thousand four hundred or it's a thousand two hundred. You know, that's where it was twelve years ago, and twelve years ago, right at the peak, you heard exactly the same stories you hearing now, as to no one can see the downside. And yet when Amplats in 2015 was at that 300 rand, 400 rand level, no one ever spoke about the upside. It was just a complete catastrophe, and these companies were essentially going to the wall. You know, that's the problem with the cyclical, with anything that's cyclical. And, and to be honest, I mean, I know I'm an optimist, but <laughs> it also sounds like when Anglo Plats was 200 or 300 or 400 rand a share, it sounds like the South African economy. Right now, there's no upside. No one can see anything ever changing into perpetuity in South Africa. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's very typical of anything that's cyclical. At the bottom, you don't hear any good news. At the top, you only hear good news. And do you think there's a cyclicality when it comes to the South African economy? In other words, do you well, think that so. um, it, it goes round and round? Unfortunately, Wayne, with the cyclicality um, doesn't seem to correlate with what's happening. The global and commodity cyclicality doesn't seem to correlate with the South yes. African economy cyclicality. In other words, yeah. we're going down, they're going up. And we've completely yes. dislocated ourselves from all other cycles. I'm sorry to tell you and that as did. an optimist. Then we did, yeah. And and, and and we did in 2015. You know, our economy got pounded. 2015, remember when Nene was fired and the rand went to 15 or 16? Ooh, December, yes, I remember that. December that the 5th, was, I think it was. But, but, that, but those two years, the two years up to that was under present ex-president Zuma, mm. and it was also a commodity down cycle. And literally almost to the day he was fired, although it was completely coincidentally obvious, the commodity markets picked up and picked up strongly. And in theory, our economy 
should have picked up as well, but it didn't because of no. the null, null administration. And now we're trying to get things right, and the new government is moving in the right direction. And maybe, maybe, maybe they can't do anything better, but they're moving very slowly. And they've, in fact, lost the opportunity to avert a junk status downgrade. Yeah, that's all over. I mean, March the 27th, Moody's will downgrade us. But, I mean, I think that's in the market already. So maybe like South Korea, when when South Korea was downgraded to junk status, that was the the absolute bottom of the South Korean financial markets and up they went from there. Hopefully the same situation will prevail for South Africa. And I've just, I've got misty eyes now, um, Wayne, uh, when it comes to you talking about um, platinum group metals and share prices, etc. Because I, I bought a, a wedding ring once in my foolish youth and I paid, I don't know what it was, I went to Charles Gregg. Are you familiar with Charles Gregg, the jeweler? Have you heard of Charles Gregg? It's a very fancy place, and I think there are headline stories in Hyde Park in Johannesburg. But anyway, the point yeah. is that if I paid... I can't hear you, go on. If it's in Hyde Park, it must be fancy. Incredibly fancy. I mean, I felt embarrassed to go in there. But anyway, the point is that I bought a platinum wedding ring, and at the, at the time, I remember looking at my screen when I, when I got back from buying this, this thing. It was $1,600 an ounce. And it's never recovered since then. Never uh, gone back to uh, it. Nor have I. But, <laughs> and I'm sure you've recovered. Ascendus Health. Ascendus Health. Ascendus Health. Voluntary trading update for the six months ended 31st of December. It was up 20% this morning. Today it's up 5%. This is a company that I've always thought, despite the charismatic nature of a previous CEO, I've always thought this as a Ponzi scheme. You're not allowed to say that on air, of course, uh, representing a major financial institution. But I've always thought of Ascendus as something that is a little bit, a little bit smelly, if you see what I mean. Yeah, look, look. I mean, the share price reflects the market sentiment there. Mm. Isn't this down ninety percent or ninety-five percent in the last five years? I think so. Yeah. You know, let let's talk about healthcare in general. You know, there's one major positive on healthcare in the let's call it the developed world or the developing world. People are living way longer and are going to need massive more healthcare as they get older and older. Remember when NHI was introduced by, who was it, Heath in the UK? Edward Heath, yes. Yeah. Yeah, It it was fine because you retired at 60 and you died at 62. So to give you healthcare for those last, you know, for that life period or even your, your dole, was nothing. Now people are living significantly longer. Now, before you go on, However, actually, Ed, actually, Edward Heath was in, in the 70s. The National Health yes, Service was, was initiated it, in 1948, just after yeah. the First World War. But, I mean, it, it went on and on, Second, and it's yeah. still the best healthcare service in the world. I don't care what anyone says. And people say that, well, people die because they haven't got a bed and that sort of thing. The NHS is unbelievable. But anyway, Wayne, go on with your point. Yeah. But people are living longer, so that should be that should in theory be very positive for the health sector. The problem is is that governments are squeezing every last cent of profit out of that business via leg- legislation for two reasons. Well, for one reason, politics. It's very popular with the voters to control medical costs, and it's a, it's the medical industry is an industry that governments can bash with no repercussions, same as the telcos. No one loves the hospitals and telcos. So the governments can bash them with legislation as much as you like. And, of course, all of the governments who provide health care, which is just about everyone, 
The costs have escalated at double the normal inflation rate for 20 years, if not longer. So the medical industry in total is under, the, is under scrutiny by governments worldwide. And I think, by and large, this has only just started. By the way, the next industry that's going to be under scrutiny by governing governments worldwide is social media and all of the massive, massive fang shares because they are just getting too powerful. You can see Bernie Sanders in his manifesto says he's going to break up Facebook. He'll, he'll do to Facebook what they did to Bell Industries, what, 50 years? No, 70 years ago. So anyway, but let's get back to healthcare. This is the problem. These guys are under severe pressure. Now, Ascendus has got Remikia. Is that their big holding or something like that? Hmm. But to be honest, we don't even look at it. It's just too, it's just too, too small. small. And yeah. it's clearly has been proven not to be successful. It was 20 so rand a share at one point. Now it's 105, according to my yeah. screen. But you can see the same thing happened to Aspen. Aspen also went up to 150 or wherever it was. I forget now. Yeah. You know, these things were the three years ago, four years ago, medical was the go-go sector. And you yeah, can also see advanced health also disappeared. Mediclinic hasn't done well at all. You know, there's a, there's a good few of of these. Aspen, Mediclinic, Ascendus, Advanced, and there's another one. I just uh, can't think of Medcare. They haven't, they have not done well because governments essentially are squeezing the profits out of it. You take Vodacom's results yesterday or the day before. According to Vodacom, they've dropped the price of data 50% since March 2018. And now with the new CompCon legislation, is going to halve again. Yeah. And it's another example of governments, for, the, for, for better or for worse. I don't know. You know, it's, it's bad for the companies and the shareholders, but it's good for the the general population. When it's going to be but free in five years' time. In five years' time, it's, it's all going to be free and they'll make their money somewhere else. I don't know where they'll make it, but I, I promise you, they will have to give it away. Don't you yeah. agree? I think so, yeah. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's I, have a look at one, uh, one more thing. A trading update for the three months ended December 2019. The company under consideration here is Steinhoff International Holdings NV Pepco Group. Now, that's an yes, interesting Pepco, one, isn't yeah. it? Did you see this yeah. one? Well, look, that's the one they're going to sell, eh? Yeah. Or oh, that's the rumor. That's why the share price went up. How much yesterday, the day before? Shoot, 40%, 30%. The share price went up enormously mm. on the back of they're going to sell this. So this is... Do you think anyone will investigate that at the uh, JSC Securities Exchange? Uh, probably not. No, it came out after the news. Well, look, I, I don't know. But they gave a trading update. Now, this is the PEPCO concept that they took into Eastern Europe. Right. And they've got 1,500 stores, if I'm not mistaken, and it's actually been quite successful. Mm. So they've also lumped Poundland with this, and that was one of the catastrophes, was buying Poundland. Yeah. But they, they, there's, there's the stories going around now that this part of the business might be up for sale, and it actually is a good business. That part of the business actually is a good business. Okay, let's move on to uh, the rest of the day. I mean, I've got the big movers today, Sassel and Discovery and Mondi and RMI and Vodacom on, yeah. the, up, on the upside, Hammerson, Northam, Distel and Ital Tile and Discam on, on the downside. But the big theme for me this week, as I said in my introduction, no matter how much things change, the more they stay the same. And when you look at the US market, my goodness me, 
And I watched uh, Mr. Trump last night in his State of the Union address. And I also then went back to YouTube and I looked at Kim Jong-un's speeches and Hitler's speeches yeah. and Mussolini's speeches. And it's exactly the same. People standing up and clapping when he utters a word. And I'm not being nasty about Mr. Trump because apparently the economy is doing very well and he has perpetuated what he inherited, if you see what I mean. But it was very, very disturbing to see the level of devotion to this man because he engenders fear in his associates. Yeah. Uh, you're not allowed yes. to say anything because you're with FNB Wealth and Investment, but that's my view. No, no, look, I mean, he clearly has a cult following. Yes. And they are fanatical followers. And anyone who crosses his path, you know, gets a scathing attack. Uh, and, yeah. But let's talk economics again. He did inherit a recovering and a good economy. Yes. But to be, to be honest, he did. There is a price to pay, by the way. There's a price to pay. He did boost the economy and the stock market with the massive tax cuts. Of course, the debt is astronomical in America. And eventually, there's a price to pay for that. Yes. But he hasn't paid the price yet. And he won't, not in the next four years. And he probably years. won't, no. Of course, after four years, it'll, it'll be because of his, his luck. When he leaves in four, in, in four years' time, problem. that will be the peak of the market. And then after that, he will go on, on tour and, and charge $500,000 for a one-hour speech or something like that. And he will say, yes. look what happened when I left. The market peaked and the economy peaked Correct. and everything else. But it's nothing to do with him, of course. But I yeah. think he understands but it. Polit but politicians are politicians. Yeah. Politicians will grab any bit of good news and claim it for themselves, no matter where it comes or where it goes, where it came from. And any bad news, they will disassociate themselves from that as quickly as you possibly can because they're politicians. Now, any politician when the economy is booming will claim credit. And normally, the politician will claim credit for the party that they represent. Mr. Trump claims credit for himself, not for his party. But yes, that's quite a normal political thing. If there's good news going around, politicians grab at it with both hands. Wayne, thank you so much for your time this evening. As always, that's Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.